Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and along with me is Josh Humphreys. I'm Josh Humphreys. And we are so excited to have you with us today as we are looking further at what God's Word had to say in this past week of reading. And uh, if you are new, we, well, we just, um, we are looking at the Bible. Yeah, the Bible, (laughs) specifically Jeremiah. We are in the book of Jeremiah uh, this past week as we are reading through the Bible together. And uh, in, in Jeremiah jumps all over the place. So it's it's uh, this week we jumped all over the place. I don't, mm-hmm. We jumped, uh, uh, actually progressed along through uh, them leaving um, uh, Jerusalem or leaving Judah yep. and being taken to Egypt. And then and then goes kind of flashes back at some judgments that God had given about uh, if they did that. And then um, I think we even take a moment to see what he says to Baruch. Uh, but uh, we will uh, anyway. That's um, it's kind of um, it's hard to find a lot of joy in Jeremiah, it especially is. in different parts. There's some verses that really stick out, but but it is a story of uh, really. Uh, it comes down to that he basically says, "I you get to keep your life. You don't you're not gonna die." It's and like an undoing of all of the Old Testament up to that point. He just kind of they go back into Egypt. And mm-hmm. there we are. Yeah, they do. And they do everything that God says not to do. Yep, completely. I, I mean, every single time. And and it is a, uh, you know, if you're, if we always said, you know, uh, this is kind of a Jeremiah calling. Yeah. And that's like when God puts you somewhere and he asks you to do something and tell people what they need to do. Right. And nobody's going to listen to you. Right. And yet God still wants you to do it. Um, that's a tough calling. Uh, and hopefully one that you are not having. <laughs> Um, We also look at Psalm 119. We we, uh, preached that for 23 weeks, so we can at least read it for a month. Uh, But the... um, uh, Psalm 119 is divided up into the 23 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and has, uh, and, and in Hebrew, each of the verses starts with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Yep. So, and, uh, but just continually reinforcing a love for God's word. So it is, uh, they are very, always, always very encouraging. Uh, and each day uh, the reading goes through a different Hebrew letter. So, um, if you're, if you're following along at home, <laughs> uh, in Proverbs 27, uh, we are uh, we stay in that and then move into Proverbs 28. Yes. But just a couple of just a couple of nuggets of wisdom each day, and that's uh, so. Uh, did you have anything from Proverbs this time? I didn't, but I, I did have a question about it, so we'll get to that. Uh, oh, cool. I did. I did not have anything from Proverbs either, but but the question will be sufficient. And then two of my favorite uh, letters of Paul are, which are both to Timothy. And uh, there's, I, I think the letters to Timothy are are some of my favorite writings of Paul because. It is so personal yeah, and just very it, much. it is especially meaningful to those of us who have been called into the gospel ministry because Timothy was called into ministry. And so Paul is speaking directly to him. So uh, some really good. But uh, but but also it's it's stuff that's it's helpful for anyone helpful who's for, a disciple helpful of for Christ. everyone. Yeah, helpful for everyone. But anyway, we're going to take a look and see what God has uh, revealed to us. And uh, hopefully uh, you have been reading as well. And if you ever have things that God is enlightening uh, you about with the reading, please send that to us. Uh, you can email us at troy at fbcj.us or josh at fbcj.us. Or uh, you can just um, text us, call text us, us, call us stop message us on by, Facebook, uh, stop by the office, write mm-hmm. us a letter and send it to 212 Ooh. South High Street. Jackson, Missouri, six three seven five five. Snail mail. Uh, snail mail, exactly. But we will. We love hearing what God is showing you as well. And if you want to be on the podcast, well, then contact us, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll bring you in on that action as well. But uh, we will be back after this. 
Welcome back as we are looking at the book of Jeremiah from this week's reading. And uh, we drew straws. I got the short ones, so I get to go first. He picked the uh, short one on purpose. That's what he did. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, actually, we drew pictures of straws, and mine wasn't as <laughs> what? I said we drew straws. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. That's if, right. I ran out of ink. If you could and see so, my face right now, right. listeners. Okay. All right. So from Jeremiah 35, 14 through 16, it says, The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For to this day they drink none and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. I have also sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now every one from his evil way, amend your doings, and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers, but you have not inclined your ear nor obeyed me. Surely the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people has not obeyed me. From Jeremiah 35, 14 through 16. I'm a little um, afraid you're going to do so, a hot take on alcohol. <laughs> well, no, okay. but what... Um, but the well, you do. I mean, obviously, you, right. it's, you sh- I'm not in favor of drinking alcohol, but if that's what you're shooting it for. No. Um, but the sons of uh, Rechab, uh, Jonadab came to Jeremiah and he said uh, they were talking about how they had taken this vow not to drink alcohol because right. of their father had asked them to, and they had remained faithful to that for generations, and and they had uh, this this uh, history of faithfulness to their father's commandment and God used and God blessed them as a result of their right. faithfulness to the, and honoring their father for generations, but grandfather, great grandfather, so forth. And, um, and, and then he points out to the children of Israel, he says, look, they do this for their earthly father. Right. Yet me, your heavenly father, who is the one who holds thing in his hands and, and the ability to bless you, the ability to curse you. Uh, I send my word to you clearly over and over again, and you yet you do not listen to me or honor me, um, and uh, and and that is, uh, um, you know, it's we are to be loyal and reverent to God, as though He, uh, because He is our heavenly Father. I, I think it's amazing to me how people honor their earthly parents more than they do God. Right. That it's like if my father, if their dad says it. It's like, oh, well, I do that because my dad said that. Well, mom, my mom told me to do this, so I do this because my mom told me to do right. this. Then they read it in the Bible, and it's like, eh. Yeah, eh, right, eh, right, 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 right. Hey, man, man, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, well, God said that. Right. More <laughs> so, afraid of their parents' revenge or yeah. avenging or whatever. Yeah, because they – or more afraid of something that our boss says. Yeah. Or more afraid of something that our teacher says. Right. Uh, rather than actually realizing uh, – I, and I, I think that it's – Worse, I mean, the worst scenario is when you don't obey any authority, that you just right. are rebellious against all authority and don't care who says it. You're just going to do what you want to do. Uh, but there needs to be this understanding. This, this. Uh, I think we do. I think what we're doing when we do that, uh, and we all do it. But the what we do is when we do that, we are saying in our heart, I don't think the word of God is real, mm-hmm. or I don't think God is real. Actually, living like a practical atheist. Right. Because we know our mom is real, and the wrath that we're going to incur from her is a wrath. So when we don't do what God says, in our hearts we're saying, I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't think that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are tempted to disobey. Um, 
We just need to remind ourselves that when we do disobey any of the word of God commands us, that we are um, we are betraying the trust of our loving Father. Uh, you know, I think not. it's not just a quick thrill or indulgence of pleasure. I, I, I had a pastor friend who used to say, we don't slip, you know, we fall. Yeah. And, uh, and and I think we we think sometimes oh it's just a it's just a small slip yeah. or you know something I just did a little guilty pleasure moment, but it is all out uh, betrayal. And, and also remembering that His great mercy and grace does restore us, and and we can be forgiven and restored and given complete chance mm-hmm. to start anew. And I, I really think that his uh, his mercies are going back to Jeremiah uh, yeah. Lamentations. Uh, his mercies are new every morning. Right, right. Uh, and so we wake up and we have a fresh start and so forth. But we should walk in that fresh start and not go right back into the distrust and filth mm-hmm. of disobedience. Right. We should um, truly enjoy the abundant life that that comes when we maintain our covenant with Him. And that's you know, and, uh, and keeping vows, keeping our word to God is an act of love. I. I think that it's so important that each morning we wake up that we remember we now have the opportunity to walk in the blessing. We we have the opportunity to enjoy what we are looking forward to in heaven, and that is intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ and unhindered fellowship with our Father in heaven. We can have that every day, um, and if we will just simply embrace it through the power of the Holy Spirit— it's when we in when we walk away from that and indulge ourselves in sin that we that we mar the day, uh, but um, and uh, but anyway. So today, uh, you know, if you have not <laughs> destroyed your day, <laughs> enjoy the day and walk in prayer. In fact, just take a moment and just pray God for grace for what's yeah. ever happened. So the rest of the day is you get to enjoy fellowship with the Lord and all that comes from knowing Him and experiencing life with Him. So. I like um, the past few mornings I've been waking up really early and going to the coffee shop like I always do. But I just every time I get in the car, I just get reminded of that. His mercies are new every morning as I'm as I'm looking to sunset, as I'm, you know, as I'm walking outside and hearing the world come to life. It's that moment of yesterday's was yesterday and I can start new today because that's that's how God is. It continues to welcome me back in every morning. Um, and, and that's, it's beautiful. So anyway, it's just a sweet little reminder in the morning, but anyway, um, yeah. So my, did you have something else to say? No, I was just oh, thinking okay. of great is thy faithfulness. Uh, that was, that song was, yeah. it, which comes from my right, meditations. Right. Um, yeah. So my devotional moment was, um, one of them was in second Timothy two. Um, and it's just the, um, this, this really simple three verses. And this is what it says. It says, so I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those who is through to those God has chosen. Um, if I die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he can, he cannot deny who he is. And what um, Paul is, is writing to Timothy here is about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I, I realize that sometimes when we speak about the good news of Jesus Christ, as we just say that we're like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ brings good news. And we tell them that he died for, for their sins. And we leave it there and we don't ever expound on what the good news is. It's like, yes, that is the good news that he died for our sins. 
But beyond that, like that salvation in itself is so good. That is good news. But um, people who are lost don't have an understanding of that they need to be saved. They have no understanding. They, they don't understand their needs for salvation. So why would it be good news to them? And so one thing that Paul does, which I love when he expounds on um, just within these verses, but throughout all of his writings, you see him talk about um, the Lord has placed them in a body to have a purpose. And now you have a job. And at the same time, you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You have a, a spiritual gift and the Lord's using you in a certain way. And I think that sometimes um, in our Christian culture, we talk about the good news, but we never get excited about the good news or share beyond salvation. Because salvation, yes, is an incredible and beautiful thing. Don't hear me not. Don't hear me say that it's not. Yeah. But I want you guys to understand, or even for my for my own heart, is we have to clearly depict what good news there is. Because pe- lost people don't understand that. So we need to tell them that He brings real and true life. Brokenness will be no more. That there is peace forever. That that even the eternal life is not like the life here but it's a different life. And we have been given a purpose. We are made in the image of himself. And now we get to be his witnesses into the end of the world. And and he gives us so much. And then when we die and we enter into eternal life, he will um, allow us to reign with him and give us glory and treasure and all this stuff and be with him who is the one who gives all life. Mm. And our message usually just ends with, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And then there's nothing. We don't hear any more good news, but that, but that's the thing is that we have to continue and clearly depict what the good news is because not everyone speaks Christianese. No one knows um, outside of the church what glory is. You know, right. what does that mean? Or what does it mean that there's peace that surpasses all understanding or that Jesus Christ is life? Well, what is life? What do we believe the Bible says life is? What is true life? Right. And if we don't explain that, if we don't share what that good news is, how can we expect them to love the God who brings it? It just doesn't make sense. And yeah. so that was my bit for me as someone who is sharing the good news with students weekly is like, am I getting across that it's good news? And not that it's just news, but it's good, right. everlasting, peaceful, loving, joyful news. Well, I, I think playing on that is that a lot of times we, our good news is hindered by our understanding of God mm-hmm. uh, and understanding of, of the truth that he reveals. And, yeah. and just think of it like this. <clears throat> when you come to somebody and say, I have good news. Uh, your cancer is uh, you're gonna is only gonna is gonna kill you six months from now, but right. not but not one month from now. Right, right. You know, if you are thinking good news would be that I'm gonna be cancer free, mm-hmm. <laughs> then that's not great news. Right. But if you think you're only gonna live one month, and somebody says you have six months to live, then you're thinking that's good news. Right. Well, if in the world people think that we that you die and then your mm-hmm. life is over and yeah. so and that's the end of it that you you know then you're turned to dust you eat my worms or whatever so if you if your worldview is such that you yeah. that you believe there is no eternity to say that you're going to get five more years or you're going to live ten more years mm-hmm. twenty more years or thirty more years or whatever uh, then that's good news right and and so when you're watching movies and you see people. Like even even they will talk about how I I I, oh, I will see things they'll say uh, like there was a show called The Good Place on TV mm-hmm. and it was like they were getting tired of eternity right. and so they wanted it to end and have some way to just become nothing right. again they were getting right. it was like we're just getting bored yeah. with eternity well when you don't when you're not think when you don't have an eternal mind when you yeah. don't think eternally right well that's all you can understand. Is that wow? That would get really old to just go on and on and on and on with right. what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I get, I, and I get that. Yeah. If that's really the scope of life. If yeah. That is everything. Yeah, I, I would get it. But, but, uh, but that's not. You're thinking of a linear, linear eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no such thing as no. a linear eternal. Means it's just it's always a glorious now. Yeah. And well, and that's yeah. the thing. I, I think I've been reading this book. It's called None Like Him by Jen Wilkin, and she mm. brings up this point that that God is limitless. Uh, and that he's eternal and that he has no box that we can fit him in. Right. And even the things that we do not know about him are infinitely good. And so that even that I think sometimes when we think about heaven, we think about, again, just like this linear, I'm going to be doing the same thing for forever and ever and ever, which not necessarily is true, but we serve an eternal God who goes on forever and ever and ever. And so she's talked about how if you were getting to know me as a human, if you look in my life, you would find skeletons in my closet. But with God, there are no skeletons because everything about him is good. So there's nothing but good that we can find out about God at all. And that just blows your mind and you begin to to yeah. see we can't he, comprehend it right exactly yeah. he's incomprehensible is is that yeah. chapter name and that is just incredible to me yeah and i, I and i have to the, the closest thing i can come to is when you think like a child and the bible gives us mm-hmm. that yeah that, that illustration of i used to think like a child and when we think as a child you look at uh you know adults and the foods they eat and you think yeah i would hate to eat what they're eating right because that's so nasty or I would hate to do what they're doing or the concept to be married or the concept of having children or the right. concept of, right. you know, working and right. all these different things are despicable. As a child, you're thinking, yuck, right. I would hate that. You know, I would hate to be old. Mm-hmm. And then you are there and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, this isn't as bad. This isn't like I thought it was yeah. going to be. Right. <laughs> I actually right. do like this food. It yeah. actually is enjoyable. And and then you laugh at children because you're like, oh, you're so naive. Right. You, know, you just don't right. understand that these are wonderful. And, and that's because we think like a, an adult. Right. And in the same way, we can't imagine what an eternal being thinks like. Mm-hmm. We can't imagine what uh, what he's going to be. So we just assume we won't like it. Yeah. Uh, but the good, if you take, if you strip all that away, just our lack of understanding in that, <laughs> and just think in terms of, well, what do we, what, what do we fear more than anything? It's the end of ourselves. Yeah. And and while trying to find a way to make us death mm-hmm. you're not supposed to like no death. you're not supposed to look forward to it you're not to think it would be by cease to exist yeah uh that's those are all just deceptions that's why you can't really fully ever embrace that you don't ever go oh yeah death is a good thing yeah because it's not a good thing it right. was never meant to be a good thing it's a bad thing and god recognizes it's a bad thing and the good news is is we don't have to die yeah and and so we uh, jesus comes and gives us the eternal life and and all the enemy can do in response is to get you to think that it would be better mm-hmm. than living for Christ. Well, and I think what you said is just really important. Again, in this in this book, she talks about how God is limitless, but we are limited. And when I've been reading through that and understanding my limits, and when my parents were in the hospital and I couldn't, I didn't have the power to do anything. Yeah. I, I was limited. I began to see the importance of when Job says, "You've set a limit to the soles of my feet," and when David says, "You have set my feet in good." places or something like that. And it's like when we become okay with our limits as who we are versus who God is, then those things don't become scary anymore. I just remember, again, when my parents were in the hospital, I got to a point where it's like, I'm not a doctor. I don't have the brain for this. I don't have the medication for this. 
I don't, I, I don't have this and that's okay, yeah. but God does. And he has these people who are taking care of my mom and dad and that's okay. Right. And, and then compared to other people who are in close to me in that situation, they're freaking out because they're trying to go past their limits, but we have limits that are okay. And God right. has, God has made us that way so that we can trust in him. And right. that has changed my view of what that looks like. So when everything is going awry in my life, it's, it's looking at yourself because Satan's trying to convince you to go past your limits and right. say, nope. God has put me in my brain set. He's given me a gift. He's given me what I need to be right here. And I don't have to move outside of that. And I'm okay with that limit. One of the things we tried to do as parents um, was we continually wanted to reinforce to our children that while we are putting limitations upon you, mm -hmm. the benefit of that is is going you're going to want the benefit that comes with that yeah and so right, we continually right. would try to reinforce if you will trust us if you will just do what we ask you to do then you will be enormously blessed mm -hmm. and so we can continually try to build into their childhood uh moments of if you can sit in this car for a duration of time then there will be a payoff and a reward right and we try to be very honest about those yeah. things we, we would tell him when yeah this, we're not going anywhere good yeah uh, it's, <laughs> this is right. just one of those days of suffering i'm sorry you have to go through it yeah but but on the days <laughs> when we knew there was going to be a payoff yeah we would try to make that a pay right. a, a rich payoff and uh, and and they and they would they would always be it was that we were always looking for that awe that moment of awe right. that moment yeah. of things something they never could expect never, right. something bigger than what they could dream of because if we just gave them what they wanted what they were wanting was so much less than yeah. the thing that we were going to give. Right. Because we were trying to say, this is what God does for mm -hmm. all of us, you know, and trying to just in their in their minds to say there is a being greater than us. Right. Who is doing the same thing in life. So if you're willing to, to follow him and be faithful to him, even though it, uh, you know, darkness lasts for right. whatever the joy comes in the morning kind mm -hmm. of thing. So, well, yeah. yeah, and he loves us enough to set limits. And that's yeah. a good because he knows Thing. that yeah. if we if he does not um, create those boundaries for us that we will we will destroy the future yeah. that we that he wants to give to us. Right. Yeah. Cool. Very good. I also had something from Second Timothy, uh, chapter two. Uh, it says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him, to do his will. Uh, you know, it's, it's imperative that I recognize my role as a soldier for Christ mm -hmm. and have to be willing to lay down my life and exercising discipline, daily discipline, in order to be sanctified and prepared for the work that he's called me to do. I, I hate m moments of weakness where my mind is in a fog, I'm worn out, my, you know, cloudy, my body's tired, uh, and, and there's nothing... Um, pressing me to get going except my own self-will yeah. you know just i'm just going through the motions of it uh but you know i i can see those moments ahead of time and uh, and god gives us the opportunity to get more sleep right to eat right. right to exercise to stay healthy to be disciplined and it, but if i'm not diligent if i don't make pr preparations and i slide backwards and, right. and i and i cease to be 
productive. So eating right, being healthy, those there are, there's a value to those things. But but there's something greater in this passage that I, I, I hope that uh, people can hear, and that is that there are people who are who do not escape the snare of the devil and have been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. Mm. And and when we encounter these people, he tells us that we are not to quarrel with them. I think we I think we fret ourselves so often by by not recognizing that a person is not. I mean, really, the discussion between you and me is what is the will of the Lord? Mm-hmm. What is what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Right. <clears throat> But I encounter people who are like, I don't care what the it, you know what the Lord says is, or or just avoid that topic altogether, or that I don't feel like I can have that conversation with. And if I can't have that conversation with them, then I just don't need to talk. I, well, I don't. They're quite I, literally playing devil's advocate. Like right, that's right. <laughs> and I always tell people when they say I'm just being the devil's advocate, I I'm that's like not a good thing. I'm like he doesn't need an attorney. Do you want a he's, medal? He's got, <laughs> he's got plenty. Uh, <laughs> so the. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't need another one. Uh, the um, but the the it says avoid foolish and ignorant disputes because they knowing that they generate strife. Right. And and so if you just think about the arguments you get in, the reason why you're usually in the argument is either you are not being mm-hmm. uh, sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying, or someone else is not. Because if two people really want to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. There's usually no argument taking right. place. Right. It's usually an act of humility of, well, maybe I'm not hearing God correctly, so I'm going to go back to Him and, and see what He says. Now you can you can come to the Word and 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 just end with, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree because right. I just do not see God saying that at this particular moment. And I tell people, I said, and if and if you really and if you really want me to, then pray that God mm-hmm. would open my eyes. But right, right now, I'm not seeing it. So would you just pray would open my eyes so I can see it? I have that conversation with my wife. It's like, you know, she, I mean, the structure of our home is that God has asked her to be submissive to my ship. And she's saying, I really don't think God would have us to do this. Or, or I really don't think mm-hmm. it's like, I, I can't see it any other way right now. Right. And so would you please pray that I would be able to see it another way and, and vice versa. Sometimes right. I will say, I'm not going to do this unless God shows it to you. And so right. I'm just praying that right. he would reveal it to you. If this is what we're supposed to do, then he's going to reveal it to both of us. And so right. I'm just going to wait for that. But but ne- never in those situations is there uh, anger right. or frustration or or strife it, because it's just two people wanting to come to a vision about what God is clearly, we want God to clearly reveal it to us. The burden is upon God. Mm-hmm. The burden is, and he's very able to handle that burden. Absolutely. But when I when you sense anger coming up in you, when you feel that strife creeping in, it's one of two things. Mm-hmm. Either you're not walking in the spirit or the person you're angry about is not walking in the spirit. And if they're not, he's just saying, uh, he said, be gentle to all, able to teach, patient mm-hmm. in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, meaning just share the truth of what God's word says. Uh, and perhaps God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses. Not guaranteed, right? but maybe that will happen. The only real way to get there is for you to be patient, is to patiently teach them. Mm-hmm. But when you get frustrated and angry and then, then you quench the Holy Spirit, and now now neither, now nobody is. Right. And that's what happens in so many churches is the Holy Spirit 
doesn't have any place in what's being done because it's just all rooted in in anger. And almost every church split, every every difficulty that comes, you see where everybody has devolved to the mm-hmm. flesh. You know, yeah. everybody, everybody's turned to their flesh, and and nobody, everybody thinks they're right, but nobody's right, uh, and the enemy wins. I think battles. one of the most helpful things with this, um, when I was in college, um, <laughs> there was a lot of pointless debates about things, and my mom reminded me of this really dumb and cheesy poster that would hang up in classrooms mm. around America. And it's really, it, it really truly is cheesy and weird, but it speaks so much volumes. And I feel like a lot of those classroom posters do, but it says, before you say anything, think, and it's this like acrostic or whatever it is. T think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring or important? Is it necessary and is it kind? You and remembered it, that. Yes. That's powerful. I know, yeah. but that's the thing. If you need to filter your thoughts through that and through what the Bible says, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying right now true to what God says? Is it helpful to this person right now? Is it important to this person? Is it inspiring to help them grow closer to God? Is it necessary for me to say right now? And is it kind? And if it doesn't line up with that, well, then you don't yeah. need to say it. And so if you're in a heated debate with someone and you are speaking, you need to slow down and think. And same thing for those people. Yeah. All of us need to think through all of that stuff. Is it biblical? Is it going to be helpful for this person in the walk with the Lord? Is it going to inspire them to grow closer to him? Is it necessary for you to say? And is it kind? And it's just so helpful to me and how I teach, how I speak to people, and how I present anything to anybody. Um, right. So there's some easy application look it up it's the ugliest poster you'll ever see but it's so helpful <laughs> or just or just read second timothy too yeah. or read second timothy too <laughs> thank you troy <laughs> that was necessary helpful and important <laughs> and <right>. true <laughs> um anyway so i'm in um psalm 119 and it's a super it's just super simple it's not anything long and drawn out but it's um psalm 70 i'm sorry psalm 1973 under yod And um, it says, you made me, you created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. And I think these past few weeks, it's just been hard. Sins have just like um, not been illuminated, but just like uh, I just keep feel like I'm hitting a wall over and over again with with sins in my life. And it's like. But I, I realized I've been doing that on my will. It's mm. my fault that I'm hitting walls and saying I can't get past this point because um, it's all about me. I've been trying to do it. But what's happening here is you made me, God. You created me. So you give me the sense to follow your commands because my flesh doesn't want to do that. And I don't desire to do that. Like in, in our flesh our flesh and our spirit are fighting each other. That's the spiritual warfare within inside of us. And so we have to ask God to give us that that revelation, that illuminance of Lord help me to see you we have to have the Holy Spirit inside of us leading and guiding us and I think that's something that these past two weeks at least for me I've been praying through is Holy Spirit please please help me to move past this help me because that's what your job is I can't get past this brick wall so help me get through it because that's on you and I will trust and I will rely on you and and this is the beauty of it's you created me th- to be the way that I am and mm. you created me new when I gave my life to you. And so now I'm trying, Lord, please help me. Um, so just give me that sense. Help me be sensitive to the spirit and that way of this is what you should do. So like you were talking about when you before you fall into those moments, you know, you're going to fall. Right. But sometimes you just fall and, and you don't know how to get out. And so it's that that moment before yeah. where you know you can get out and you just don't. So give me this sense to follow your commands 
then right. before I'm stuck in a situation where I'm at now. Uh, yeah. And it just was a really sweet, like, this is simple. Like, this is a simple prayer. You created me. And so to help help me sense what your word says. Yeah. And I, I think that is, uh, that's a, you made it, you struck a, a really good chord there. I think one of the, the schemes of the devil, one of the tricks that he uses on us is when we would get into a situation where we are face to face with our own weakness mm-hmm. and we sense ourselves um, not being strong enough to eat what we were supposed to eat, to right. go where we were supposed to go, to do what we were supposed to do. And, and the enemy's like, well, now that you've quenched the spirit, now that mm-hmm. you've gone the wrong way, wallow in this right. or, or stay in this place or whatever. And, uh, and, and it's like, God doesn't love you and yeah. doesn't care about you. And so now, and, and keeping that mindset of, of that our father knows our weaknesses mm-hmm. and he knows that I'm really, st- and just being honest with him mm-hmm. saying, I know you want me to go to this person's house today <laughs> or, right. I, or I know you want me to, to finish this or whatever, but I'm just too tired. Yeah. I'm just can't do it. Please God, just, yeah. I just pray for mercy in this, right. but not, not going, you know, and then going and then resting or doing, or right. doing something that's not, um, worse you right know, right you know we're turning to because that's that's when we turn to alcohol or mm-hmm. we turn to drugs or we turn to depressing thoughts or we turn to pornography or we turn to right. to things that are anything that turns us away from god or pulls us away where it's in those weak moments where mm-hmm. we feel like wow this is i i just i'm such a bad person mm-hmm. i'm so miserable failure whatever so i'm gonna find these ways of escape to get rid of this when god's like i you know, it's okay. Yeah. Just rest. And he's, just, and he's not going to shun you for, right. you know, and that's the, one of the sermons a while back that, um, Greg, um, Schwab was talking about is when Sarah laughed at him, God didn't just kill Sarah and move <laughs> on. But he, <laughs> yeah. but it, he kind of, he was just said, um, this is Greg words, not God, but, but basically he's like, come on back, come on that's back. Right, yeah. My mercies are new. That's right. You still belong back. to me. You're yes. still mine. Don't, right. don't, yes. um, yeah, don't feel like you have to run away. Yeah. There's no um, need to. Yeah. That's uh there's no, um, you know, no reason to, I, I remember, um, I, I remember that, um, the, um, I'm, I'm are you sure I, you remember? No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm reading things while I'm, but I remember a, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without <laughs> implicating somebody. There was someone who had a rule in their home mm-hmm. who said, you have to be home at a certain time at a curfew. And so their child had been late and trying to get home by that certain time died in a car wreck within a half mile from their house. Oh, gosh. And I remember I was uh, this was before we had children or I think we just had one at the time. Well, too, Katie, Katie, just Katie has been born. Mm-hmm. And so they're very I'm infants. Right. Um, but I remember thinking, God, please show me the grace that I will never create a rule or create a thing that tells my children that um, you're going to be in trouble if you come home. Right. That it will always be, mm. just come home. And then we'll That's talk really about good. it. That's really good. You know, yeah. then we'll we'll look at it. Right. But, don't, but just, uh, you, I just want, my ultimate goal is that you are safe. Yeah. You know, not to follow my rules. I'm yeah. trying to keep you safe and healthy and so forth. But so we're not going to create something that put makes you feel like you have to risk your life yeah. to try to please right. me. Right. 
Um, and uh, and I, and I I think sometimes we we do that. Uh, we we think that God is doing that to us. That He's put me in a situation where He would want me to stress myself out in right. order to please Him. That He'd want me to kill myself in order to please Him. And uh, and that is not the message he gives to us. Well, and there was a thing in the Proverbs um, that we read this week that says um, the wicked are always on the run, basically, and then that the people who are the righteous ones um, always enter with boldness or something. It's something to that matter or whatever right. effect or whatever. But it reminded me of Hebrews when it tells us that we as believers can enter into the throne room boldly instead of running away. Like Adam and Eve, right. when, when God entered into the garden, they ran and they hid themselves in shame. But because of Jesus, we can enter boldly. So we don't have to run, but we can now come to right. God. Instead of running away, we can go to him and say, I'm messing up. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. Because in the world, we would say that, but then run and then do our best to yeah. hide. But that's not who God is. He's a loving father and a caring savior. And then we can go to him with that. Yeah. And and always remember it like this. Those who run from him mm-hmm. face his wrath. Yeah. Right. Not those who run to him. Right. Right. So you can always go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. All right. Well, we are going to come back and answer some questions. Um, Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus podcast, and we are now doing our question and answer session. Mm-hmm. And so, Josh, what's what's our first question today? Well, Troy, it's in Proverbs, um, and usually in the book of Proverbs, it's like each verse is a different line of wisdom. Right. But at the book, at the end of Proverbs 27 through verses 23 through 27, they kind of all wrap in together. Mm. And so I'm just kind of uh, – and it's like a huge – long run-on sentence full of wisdom and i i just don't know what what's going on here so what's going on right very good um he let me read it to oh yeah that would have been a good idea (laughs) uh, know well the conditions of your flock and pay attention to your herds for wealth is not forever not even a crown lasts for all time when hay is removed and new growth appears and the grain from the hills is gathered in lambs will provide your clothing and goats the price of a field there will be enough goat's milk for your food, food for your household, and nourishment for your female servants. There's a, kind of a, a double meaning uh, to this uh, of that for me, uh, being in pastoral ministry, which I'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it really is just talking about how this is wisdom for your household, uh, that you oh. should pay attention to. the. I mean, back in this day, you're talking about an agrarian society. And so the flock that you are keeping, this is how your whole family is provided for. Uh, this is where your milk's going to come from. This is where your clothing's going to come from. This is where meat comes from. And so you need to be aware of uh, how that's going to. So just a, a good stewardship proverb in that you need to be aware of how are you going to take care of your household. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a tendency uh, to think that when people are Christians, that we just have this God's going to provide and God's going to take care of it. I kind of cringe when I hear people <laughs> do that yeah. uh, because there is a certain amount of God saying, not that God, there's no instruction to us where God says God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Um, but there is an understanding that you will be a good steward of the resources to do, and it does take thought and planning. Jesus gives us illustrations, like a person uh, who uh, knows his um, military before another uh, military is coming up against him, a person who considers the cost of building a tower uh, before beginning to build it. And he says these are important things uh, to consider 
uh, what this when I, I take when I make this venture when I take this step when I go to this place what is the real cost going to be not that God wouldn't ask you to take a step of faith but you need to know the step of faith that God is asking you to take mm-hmm. if he's asking you to quit your job to go somewhere you need to know the financial impact that's it's going right. to have on your family and so begin and, and make your family aware here's what this could cost us to do this not that we shouldn't do it but we know this is what we are the risk that we are taking if we endeavor uh, to do this and uh, and and that's just wisdom uh, and so just uh, that's you want to have enough to take care a, a, a good leader of a home knows how to make the most out of the resources that he has and make sh- sure he has that which is necessary in order to care for it sometimes you don't have any control over those things sometimes there's crisis and financial ruin and and uh, natural disasters and things like that but in the moments, but but you, you, we are accountable for when God has provided resources to make sure that we have thought through these are the resources I have, and here's how they need to be used. So that's that's the wisdom that he's giving there. The the pastoral aspect of that is that uh, it's the same way in in church. Uh, as as a pastor of a church, you the people are the flock, and they're the ones who take care of you, and they're the ones who provide for your family and so forth. So the wisdom is in making sure that the people in the church are doing well. Um, but to be abusive or to be negligent uh, to the flock will result in um, not only the ruin of the church, but the ruin of the pastor and his family. So, hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of pastoral questions, um, yeah. we're in 2 Timothy 3, um, verses, the whole chapter, basically. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Verses yeah. 1 through 9. Um, and that, that that heading of it is, the dangers of the last days. And any time we read through anything that has that sort of title or speaking of last times, mm-hmm. the question always arises, are we in that time right now? So let me just read it real quick. I'm just going to read verses one through four. And okay. it says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than the God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly stay away from people like that and so the question is always anytime and i know this happens throughout time since then Mm -hmm. (laughs) we all wonder is it the last days now is it the last days well we're always in the last days last days is actually defined by everything that happens after the ascension of jesus christ what Um, i didn't know that yeah so we are, yes, Whoa. these are the last days, um, and there's no definitive, here's how long the last days are, wow. uh, but that is the, the really the name for the period of time that we are in. Huh. Um, and so um, we, uh, and, and, the, and one of the characteristics of being in this time period, uh, and when you look at Revelation, it is, there, it is a cyclical thing. Kind of similar to what Judges is like. When you look back in the book of Judges, uh, you see the same th- you see a, a th- same pattern happen over and over and over again. Mm. And that is the children of Israel uh, begin to fall away. They don't. Uh, they you have a generation who's extremely faithful under Joshua, and then after Joshua, they begin to fade away and so forth. They don't they don't teach their children the commandments they're supposed to follow. So then they begin to practice the things of the foreign people that they were not mm. supposed to follow. 
and then God raises up prophets and and different people to uh, and judges and so forth to say, hey, uh, this is what we should be doing, and we're not doing it. And then uh, they uh, they continually disobey. He allows another power to come in and conquer them. And then after they are conquered, they be they bemoan the fact that now they are they are uh, they've been conquered by another group right. of people and having to follow under somebody else's rule. And so they cry out to God. God raises up a judge to deliver them from that oppressive power. They repent of their sin, begin to follow him faithfully mm-hmm. while the judge is, then the judge dies, and they repeat the whole process right. over again. So anyway, that's how that cycle goes. In, in, the, in the time we are in, the cycle is basically like, think of it like a Babylonian cycle. Uh, we continually have empires that rise up, uh, powerful uh, cities uh, that rise up, and those cities of power uh, who really have demonic strongholds and 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 so forth. And we see like the prince of the power of Persia, right. uh, the uh, he, that is a d- demon who is controlling that. And so you have these demonic strongholds that that aren't. That's why Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood. Right. There's right. a demonic entity behind these strongholds. But uh, and so people turn to these cities. They begin to be influenced by these cities and the ungodliness. This is the avoid these people admonition that he's given to Timothy. When you see these strongholds, when you see these people with these traits that he gives, mm-hmm. and he gives us lovers of money, boastful, proud. Uh, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. These are the characteristics of the people in these centers of darkness, if yeah. you want to say. And and he's saying, avoid people who have been infected with the spirit of mm. the Antichrist, the spirit of the enemy. And uh, because that will continue on for a period of time, and then God will judge them, mm. and the city will collapse, and uh, and then and then it will it will lose its power and then that power will shift to another city. Yeah. That will happen over and over and over and over again until there finally is the final Babylon and uh, whatever city that becomes, uh, they thought it was Rome. Right. In, in their right. Day, but it wasn't. I mean, Rome rose and fall, fell I mean, and other cities have risen and fallen since then, but all following the same pattern of Babylon. Right. Babylon, I mean, just think about uh, how many trips you've made to Babylon, scenic Babylon, and how many times <laughs> you've been to see all the sights in Babylon. Right. Uh, it's not there. Right. And it doesn't, ex- I mean, it's just sand. And, right. Uh, and just, uh, it's completely destroyed, demolished, yeah. but yet it was a great city. And yet it is completely judged. He said there will come a time when the last city or cities will be judged mm. and they will be destroyed and they will never rise again. And then the kingdom will be, only one kingdom will reign, and that will be the kingdom of Christ. And uh, and he will reign supreme over all and be the king of kings. And, and finally establish himself totally as king of kings and lord mm. of lords. It will be his city yeah. that will come down, the new Jerusalem. Wow. And uh, and that will be the hmm. city that will reign uh, forever and ever. The um, So... Uh, so yeah, that is. Uh, so we're we're still in that last day cycle though of mm-hmm. cities rising and right. falling. Is it the last cycle? Well, we don't know. Yeah. And um and we this is the clue that we've been given. The clue that we've been given is that every tongue, every tribe will hear, and yeah. and every nation will have the opportunity to respond to the gospel. And we know that there are over several over a thousand that have not heard the gospel. Uh, so, Not people. Um, so people groups, <laughs> nations, yeah. people, nations yeah, <laughs> different, different tribes and tongues and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so at least we know that's why he hasn't returned yet because right. we're still, that message is still getting out and going out to, so that every, 
because uh, in Revelation it tells us that there will be someone from every tribe and mm-hmm. tongue who will uh, be there. Yeah. And so every, not only do they need to hear, but somebody within those nations mm-hmm. is going to respond to the gospel. That's cool. And, uh, and there will be representatives from all of them. Not all of them will be there, mm-hmm. but all will be represented. That's and cool. so, uh, yeah, so, so that's why we continue on the mission that we're on. Uh, but, you know, it, you know, when you get to thinking about, um, I think one of the cool things about science uh, in how it interplays with things, you think about the enormity of the universe that we have uh, and how long it takes to get from one star to the next star and so forth. And we think in terms of light years and traveling to speed of light, you know, this is a one million light years away or whatever. So if you, if you know the universe is that vast and whatever it is Jesus is doing, preparing for us a place or whatever, and, and I mean, this is just being a little bit sci-fi mm-hmm. junkie here, but just say he's preparing us a place uh, to hang out uh, that's 7,000 light years away, uh, then, um, you know, then, the time that it takes for him to uh, go there and back. I'm mm-hmm. not saying, I mean, obviously right, Jesus right. can be wherever. Anyway, but I'm just saying, when you think of the enormity of the universe, time, if God makes a universe that big, mm-hmm. you know, then obviously 2,000 years doesn't mean a lot. Right, you right. Know? And, it's, and, the, and Peter even tells us, 1,000 years is a day to God. Yeah. And so, uh, so basically he's been gone in the way he thinks of time, two days, mm-hmm. you know, and it's figurative, but still right, that right. kind of puts it in perspective. So of limited that, language. Yeah. Right. So we, him. so we, while we think it's been a long time to be in the last days, um, not in God's perspective. And especially when he has the perspective that he, if, I mean, obviously Paul thought he was going to return in his day. Mm-hmm. If he had returned in Paul's day, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be here. Right. And God knew me. He didn't just know me. He's always known right. me. And so he has at least extended Whoa. time to this moment so that I could be born because he's always seen me in his kingdom oh. and wanted me to be in that family. And Sovereign, so, transcendent, yeah. omniscient, and so, all that. So he's got a lot, wow. more, he's got a lot cool. more children that he is extending um, that he wants to be in his hmm. family. So, hmm. so. Well, there's um, a final question. Um, and I thought it was going to be from Jeremiah, but we can save that until next week because I got a text message from somebody who had a question and it's not related to anything we were reading, but it is a good question. And the question is, does discipleship have to specifically be with inside the local church that you go to? Ooh, that is a good question. uh, Let's go ahead and tackle I'll tackle that right now. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, uh, does discipleship, discipleship is, uh, based on, uh, uh, relationships that we have. Now, whether you, a lot of times people think in terms of local church as being some type of official role or something. Right. But that's not how the local church works. You're a part of a local church if you're a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You just may or may not recognize it. Right. <laughs> and we we keep these official records and so forth. So we, it, but there, there was nothing, there wasn't like, uh, you didn't go visit uh, the church in Ephesus and say, I'm thinking about moving my membership from Corinth right. to Ephesus and, and so forth. It was that you lived in Ephesus, and so you went to the church there. (laughs) And uh, and so that was the body of believers you are. The question is always about where has God placed you, and where has he called you to serve? And that group of people, uh, and he will always place you within a group of people. You, he never. You are there are no, no lone Christians. Every everybody who's born again is already meant to be connected. It, so you're just trying to discern who am I connected to? Who mm-hmm. is my family of faith? 
uh, to look at God and say, I choose to be on my own and not connect to anybody is about as powerful as one of my kids going, I'm not a part of this family. Right. I'm my own person when mm-hmm. I, as when they were like three right. and I'm looking at them going, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you've got my last name. You belong to us. Right. You're part of this group. Right. You know, get in line. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so that's what our father in heaven is really doing. He's like, Hey, uh, you punk, you're just being disobedient mm-hmm. because you're not recognizing where I put you or where right. I placed you. I, I'm not God, so right. I can't look at you and go, oh, you're supposed to be in this church. Right. I can tell you what I think. I can tell right. you what I sense. Uh, but every person needs to, in their relationship with God, say, God, who am I a part of? Mm-hmm. And I, it's unfortunate that we've made it like this country club kind yes. of membership thing. Like, I think I want to join this place or I want to mm-hmm. join that place. It's really, it's not up to us. No, it's, it's where does God want me to be? And when we, when we make it our own thing, then yeah, we create all kinds of, when we're where we're not supposed to be, it's like having some kid in my house who doesn't belong in my house. And like, well, this is kind of uncomfortable for all of us because you don't belong here. Uh, But uh, the, but the, you know, but there are times when perhaps you really belong with the church, another church, another community or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you're with us. And we're trying to help you figure that out, mm-hmm. you know, because Absolutely. that's what we do. We love each other. But, but so to say, does, does discipleship take within, place within the local church? Well, discipleship just takes place within the church. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you don't know what local church you're part of just simply means you need to be discipled right. uh, more effectively uh, so that you can help you understand that. But everybody, everybody in the church is a part of a local church. They may just be in denial of where that local church is. So, Thanks. Yeah. Troy's hot takes. There you go. <laughs> well, it's actually, I'm just it's telling not, you what the Bible yeah, teaches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they my, sound my, hot. My opinion's worthless, but uh, but the Word of God is is uh, is potent. So, Ooh, yeah. uh, awesome. Well, that's all, right. all the questions we had. All right, well, good. Well, that's all we have for the podcast then. And so thank you for joining us on the Understanding Jesus podcast. Don't forget, you can go to www.fbcj.us, FBCJ, First Baptist Church Jackson, dot US, which I think stands for United States, but it can also just mean us. Um, <laughs> and uh, and just go to our website. You can find our podcast. You can find sermons. You can find all kinds of information our about reading our reading plan. Yeah, and, and some of it's outdated, but we need to <laughs> <laughs> update it. But anyway, go there anyway. You'll get uh, you'll get a, a bulk of information. And uh, and do send us comments uh, and uh, and and let us know what you what's going on going on with you and uh, and if we can do something more to help you grow in your understanding or give you a greater desire for God's word and reading God's word please let us know 